I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Welcome to another edition of the Loss of Words DraftKings podcast. I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey, Tom. Uh, great week last week for us both, huh? Uh, what a week, hey? It was obviously we're both on uh, Joaquin Neiman in terms of betting, so that's obviously always very nice. Um, and, and the guy that was making us sweat for the majority of it was Cameron Young, who uh, we picked as our favourite 6K player, along with Neiman as a favourite 7K player, and Laura Karen a favourite 10K player. So, um, all in all, a very positive week. Yeah, I mean, when you have the first place guy at about 10, 11% owned, and the second place guy at 3% owned, um, I had him, I had both of them in 75% of my lineups together. So, um, you know, it has to be good. Didn't really popped a big one like i wanted to but tripled my money for the week and uh i was happy with that it's, it's tough isn't it because you you know you're relying on a peak performance from ram you're relying on a peak performance from obviously dj you, you liked obviously uh didn't get there peters for me let me down bubba let me down as well like there's guys that you mixed in there based on course history that just certainly didn't do what you expect them to but it was nice that the guys that we we liked actually paid off yeah, it's 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 so hard to get everything perfect, but, um, you know, so five out of six for those ones, and you still end up doing pretty well with those guys. But you guys get a bank on that one of those weeks. Um, that one little thing that goes wrong doesn't go wrong, and then you're looking at a huge payday. Yeah, exactly. And I think as well, it's because of how volatile Riviera is, right? And and it's going to be the same this week at the Honda. Like you can't. It's so hard to get right. Like never in my wildest dreams did I think that the Joaquin Neiman would do it how he did it this week. Like it was so good. Like wire to wire is really really hard. Back to back 63s is 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 unreal um, at Riviera. So um, it, it's hard to kind of foresee that, and it's definitely hard to foresee some of the best in the world. I mean, John Rahm was pretty disappointing, other than a decent final day as well. I was I was shocked at at that. Um... It's funny, I had a big tournament matchup that I posted on on Rom over Cantlay, and I thought it was dead going into Sunday. He was <laughs> five or six shots back and ended up winning it by two shots. Um, and got me some some DraftKings points on that last day, so that was good. But yeah, I was shocked he didn't play he didn't play great because it's just a perfect fit for him on uh, the way he plays the way he plays out west. And then, I mean, Neiman was absolutely unbelievable. I, I had high expectations for him. I'm you know I've always been a huge Neiman guy. I thought he belongs in that category of with Hovland and Morikawa and at the time Wolf when a lot of people were talking about it and he he kind of went untalked about for a while and I always compared him to like a Sergio Garcia that's who I kind of um a young Sergio is what he reminds me of with the ball striking game and when he when he can putt he's very difficult to beat and um you know young Sergio played played very well at Riviera too throughout his career so I thought that you know that made a lot of sense to me and going into it I was kind of thinking about that a little bit as well yeah, and I think for me, like, obviously we we both really liked him, so we don't need to kind of beat down on that too much. But just when you just taking a step back after he won yesterday, like obviously this win takes him into another upper echelon, right? But he could be a four-time PGA Tour winner already. Like, he's lost two playoffs as well. Like, and you consider I know Hovland's done more winning, but you know it's been on the across the DP World Tour as well, and and certainly at the same spot in in Mayakoba. Um, all of a sudden, you, you change the results of those two playoffs, which, okay, it's all lives and buts, but 
that he could be a four-time winner by 23 is kind of remarkable. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see see what he does going forward. I think next step for him is is going into major championships like like Hovland. Now that that's the only thing they've really got to start doing now is contending in those majors. Um, you know, getting out there in the WGCs and, and doing things like that. So it'll be interesting. Maybe even the Players Championship, just seeing how they sort of cope in that arena and down the stretch there as yeah. well. So looking yeah, forward absolutely. to that. Um, let's move on to this week then. Um, when the pricing came out, there were some really weird prices for me. Like I, I kind of found some of them a little bit bizarre, more further down the, the board and the, top, the kind of top kind of rights itself. Um, but Sung GM here at 11,000, Louis Eustace in 10,800, Joaquin Neiman at 10,600, Daniel Berger at 10,400, who's obviously got a little bit of an injury concern about, and Brooks Kepker at 10,100. Um, Sung JM just makes all the sense in the world, right? I know he was a little bit disappointed last week, but generally speaking, he's been very, very good. He's already won this season, um, first and eight for the last two years at this golf course. Are you going to just try and make lineups with Sung JM? No, no, no. I'm, uh, I'm not going to play Sung Jay. Uh, because he's looking right now, like at 11,000, he's going to be over 20% owned. He's probably going to be the highest <laughs> price guy on the board. Um, probably even higher than 20%. It seems like everyone is really starting their lineups with him. And for me, I don't see the big of a, big enough of a difference between him and that other. He's not a $11,000 golfer to me. I know at this course he has been. I know he's won at this course. I know he's been great at this course. But I don't want to pay 11000 for a popular Sung JM, um, especially with the volatility here. I, I'd like to see if I can pivot off him. And there's a couple guys who I think are going to be more overlooked that I'm going to take a shot on. So I think the the reason it is what it is, right, is Louis stays in doesn't have that win equity that people want out of a player at this highly priced, uh, in my opinion, certainly. You know, when you look back at where he's won, it's been a long time since he's won an Open Championship. Um, Joaquin Neiman, people are just going to believe he can't back it up after such a tiring, exhausting week. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually pulled out um, as we got closer, but um, I certainly could see him struggling after it was, you know, a lot of fatigue there. Daniel Berg has obviously got the injury worry, and Brooks Koepka is just playing terribly and we don't know what Prisca is going to turn up at the Honda Classic he's been up and down here in his uh, career as well so I can see why the ownership is so popular on Sanji and given the question marks I've just raised with those four guys yeah yeah I, I get it um and I think my motto this week you know I coming off that Neiman winner then I get some uh, money in my drafts and DraftKings account, I'm going to embrace the volatility and play some volatile guys up here because I think you can get away with it. And if, you know, these really popular Sung Jay or Louie or uh, Billy Ho miss the cut, then you, you're in a really good spot. Does, does that mean you're taking Brooks Kepker at 10-1? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm, I'm starting this week. Uh, he's finished second here, right? And it's and that was to Keith Mitchell in 2019 I believe it was when uh, Ricky Fowler was second as well um, but it, I guess it's just the fact that he's never been consistent here but in general in regular events he's just he's just not had that consistency so is there anything really to be worried about? I mean there's absolutely something to be worried about he, <laughs> he, he could certainly you know miss the cut and not play well but I do think he has some motivation. And then, you know, last week I never expected him to go well at Riviera. I don't think, you know, many people did. It, it, and it didn't matter to me whether he made the cut or missed the cut or what he did at Riviera. He was good at in Phoenix, which is a course that he's played well throughout his career. Um, and he was great off the tee, which I think would be good for him this week. And now he's coming to the Honda Classic where 
I know he's been kind of inconsistent here, but he had that second place finish. Um, you know, and if Mitchell didn't drain that 15 foot birdie putt, he probably would have won in the playoff because he was really hot towards the end of that event. Um, so I just think he has unfinished business here. He's already shown he likes the course. He doesn't have to go crazy low. I think he can just kind of piece together some good rounds here. And it's a, it's a spot he likes. He loves Florida, obviously. He's a good Bermuda putter. Um, and then the fact that he, he – it's not like he hasn't played well in months, right? He showed us two weeks ago that he, he still has it when he needs to go get it. Um, I think it's a good risk to take this week. So I think it's one of those ones where, you know, he shot 64 in round two here uh, the second year that he played it, so 2015. Um, so we, we know that he can go low on the golf course. We know what Brooks Koepka does. We know that, generally speaking, the tougher to get get some more, he likes it. Um, he likes the, the fact that he can kind of peak when everyone else is struggling. Um, the water balls were obviously a concern with Brooks Koepka. But like you say, off the tee, looked better at Phoenix. He seemed to be dialed in. He couldn't praise Strixon enough for... Um, the, the the drive, which you know he's probably getting paid to say, but um, well he's definitely getting paid to say that. But it's you know I do buy into it because I I have the question marks over Louis, I have the question marks over Daniel Berger. I, I don't know if I subscribe to the Joaquin Neiman thing, but I don't need to find out. I, I've kind of had my Joaquin Neiman you know taste last week. I don't really need to go there. So yeah, I can I can absolutely get on board with starting with uh, Bruce Koepka in the what. I was just going to say the reasons you just said are the, are the big reason because there's no sure thing up here. So mm. might as well go. And he's looking at, you know, he's going to be single-digit ownership. Nobody wants to play him right now. It's because he's just been so inconsistent in general, so inconsistent in this golf course that, you know, that is the the scariest thing in this format, right, is the volatility. And, you know, when it comes to an outright bet, you can bet him at 20 to 1 or when he gets to 50 to 1, everyone gets really excited or 40 to 1, whatever. You know, you can do that. And if he misses a cut, you don't really seem to worry. But when it kind of sort of, kill your lineups um people do get concerned but at 10-1 i think you kind of give yourself at least something that you can you can do further down the board so i like it um tommy fleetwood's here at 9900 and tommy fleetwood has had question marks over him for probably the best part of three years now um certainly since the pandemic began he's not really been the tommy fleet that we know uh last seen at the Dubai Desert Classic, well, Saudi International, he actually played, but you know, on the game logs itself on DraftKings, it's a 75 final round at Dubai Desert Classic. And I don't know, right? The, the, the problem was, was that he wasn't winning this event when he should have done, when he was winning events on the DP World Tour. And now he's struggling to get over the line on the DP World Tour. Do I really start seeing him winning this event? And the absolute answer is I can definitely see it happening. I just don't want to be risking a lot on it to happen if that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and here again, I'm, I'm embracing volatility. I'm I'm uh, betting Tommy, and I'm playing him. So, uh, and the reason being is, I said I needed at least a 25, and I, I got it for betting, but for, for DFS purposes, um, you know, everybody's playing Billy Horschel this week. It's, it seems like he's the guy everyone's talking about. Everyone's talking about how Fleetwood doesn't win. You know, Horschel can win. He's playing well. He's having good finishes. You know, playing well is debatable because his stats aren't very good but he's he's having good finishes and tommy um his course history just can't you just can't beat it here right here's a the his two starts was third and a fourth um and i think he just loves this place he 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 likes florida and i think he's a nice little leverage spot too i don't think he's gonna be very popular and i because i think he's just expenses enough to for guys to want to you know go slightly elsewhere so 
again, I, I like to I like to play this week. I can see him contending, even if he doesn't win. You know, like a top five and kind of getting in the mix, you could definitely see. So, would you be advocating you starting your lineups with Brooks Koepka and Tommy Fleetwood, and then just leaving yourself seventy five hundred to average out on the the final spot? That's what I'm going to be doing. Yep. No, I like that. I mean, I just I was just playing around with it just while you were, you were talking free reasoning there, and it's made me think because I don't want to bet Tommy Fleetwood at the moment. I, I'm not generally a Tommy Fleetwood better, so as much as I wish you the best of luck with that, that is what I'm going to wish you. Um, but in terms of in terms of this format, it's, he's probably the opposite of Brooks Koepka. Is that he's actually perfect for it because you know the the, the third or fourth place finish will be enough, right? And that's fine. That's what we want to see. You can actually start putting in Keith Mitchell with him. I know he's gonna be very popular, but you can start giving yourself Koepka Fleetwood Mitchell in that, and and all of a sudden you've you know you can take a guy in the seven k and then balance out in the six k's, which will come on to later on. So I do think it allows you to do stuff by starting with those guys and and leaving out the top four. Right, and then not only do you have the money to go elsewhere, you also have the leverage to go elsewhere because that's not yeah. going to be a very popular build. So that's probably what I'm going to do, and I uh, I like it. And I, you know what? I'm, it's a very big risk uh, going against Tom Jacobs this week with the heater that you're on. So <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, it's going to come to an end, right? So um, it, it's probably this week. It's it's so hard to get right, I think, in this field. Um, I do like Billy Horschel. I like Billy Horschel pretty much every time we've been on this show, but it's always been when he's not been high-owned. Now he's going to be very, very popular. There's a lot of question marks about the top of the betting, so he's popular there. Uh, 9,600, I can leave him alone. And, and I apply the same sort of thing to Shane Lowry and Alex Noron as well. I don't really want to be mucking around with them at what I perceive to be decent ownership. Same. I'm I'm, uh, I'm completely with you on both of those guys. I'm, I'm not playing any of the... Oh, all three of them. Um, Horschel, Lowry, and Noron. Noron's just so unpredictable to me these days. Like, And I know that you know a lot of people are but with him it's like he used to play very well on tough courses and then recently the last couple of years he started to play very well on easy courses and you don't know what you're getting and, and i just don't i said this last week about noren and i didn't want to play him and um i feel the same way this week i don't know i don't know what i'm getting from him at 9300 it's just too expensive for me i think with noren right and this maybe it's a little bit lazy and, and i've never really sort of delved into it but since the the kind of pandemic he's been fully committed to the pj tour there's not been any of this kind of crossing over between the two tours he's been here and playing here all the time so i wonder if just playing the full schedule over here is is kind of got him more accustomed to the birdie you know shootouts and that's kind of mm -hmm. where he's going with his game now and all of a sudden he doesn't have these kind of peak performances on these tougher layouts so yeah i, I don't really need to be involved in noran Matthew Wolf scares the absolute life out of me with all the water and bunkers around here, so I will be avoiding him as well. Same, yeah. Just it, I don't love the course fit. He just even if he does play well, like I could see him getting off to getting off to the races and you know having making some long putts and being like a first round leader or in the mix even on Friday or Saturday. But there's gonna come a point in time when he makes an eight or a nine. Yeah. It's just gonna it's gonna happen. So uh, I'm I'm out on him. How popular is Keith Mitchell gonna be this week? Um, he's looking like probably this as of now, which again is early, this second or third most popular guy. I mean, it's looking like Sungjae, Mitchell, Horschel, Louis. Those are the guys have, uh, in Vegas. Those are the guys everybody's playing. So I think for me, I'd feel comfortable putting him in there if, you, like you say, you're leveraging uh, elsewhere, especially starting with, with Kepka and Fleetwood. I just think that people didn't like the number in terms of betting, but he's just, I don't know what price you could make him both in the odds board and on DraftKings, right, is that he's a winner on the course. Okay, he's been pretty average otherwise, but 
you go back to that third at the CJ Cup in October that he probably should have won. Um, he's only missed one cut in his past seven starts. He's finished inside the top 12 on four occasions in that span. Um, just in 2022 alone, he's finished uh, 7th, 12th and 10th. Um, eighth among this field in tees of green um, since the start of the year. And, you know, just he's got all these correlative uh, courses as well. He was second at the Corrales, uh, two top eights at the Quail Hollow, seventh at Sony, uh, all of those that, that look really good. So for me, I, I can't get away from Keith Mitchell and I will be playing him uh, in all aspects of the game. Um, but how popular or otherwise is Matt Jones going to be this week? Because... There's always a subscription to thought that, that people can't come and defend, especially at this tournament where it hasn't happened very often. Um, there's not many multiple winners of this event in general, but certainly the year after they win, they don't seem too well. And that sort of owes itself to the policy of the course, I think. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, 9 10% would probably be a good guess for him. And I'm definitely not going to be a part of it. I mean, what we, what we saw from him last week was, I'm sorry, last year was just a, such a ceiling performance for him um, in terms of the approach play and how how... He completely lapped the field. He was finished at 12 under. I think second place was six under. So, um, and I remember him really. I feel like he ruined the event for everybody. <laughs> yeah, he certainly <laughs> so, did. For everybody trying to, uh, you know, get guys through the finish line when you had bets and all that stuff. So, that's the only thing I remember from it. But no, I'm, I'm, and that's the reason why I'm not going to play Mitchell either. It's just, it's so random and volatile that I just think, you know, I'd rather get a guy who would be a first-time winner. I don't like previous winners at this course, and I know sometimes it's a dumb reason to rule somebody out. Yeah, um, but that's that's kind of the lane that I'm I'm looking at. Yeah, I think I think but I think a lot of people are going down that lane with Jones especially. And when you look at it, you know he's played here uh, eight times. He was fourth on debut when he was he was really really solid. Third, second, first, fourth by round. Um, even when he was fortieth, he was he was twentieth after or nineteenth after the first day. Um, when he was he was eighteenth again, and then the, the the two years before that, when he was thirty sixth, he was twelfth after fifty four holes. Uh, and, and solid enough the year before he won so whilst it was definitely a ceiling performance and so was the TOC um, you know, second and tee to green last week just to me was enough to kind of subscribe to that thought that he can overcome that narrative that you know, defending champions struggle here and people just don't go back to back in general so um, I'll be interested to see what Matt Jones does because around him you've now got Mito Pereira that's going to be a very popular player yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be out on him as well. I know it seems like I'm on on everybody here, but uh, <laughs> I just uh, Mito hasn't really shown me that he's gonna be pretty popular. He he hasn't shown me that he can do it on anything besides bent grass and on the PGA Tour. Even on the Corn Ferry Tour, everything he's done has been bent grass. Like I just want to see it somewhere else first. It seems like he has his types of spots and plays well there, and you can predict it coming. But you know he's been popular the last couple of weeks too, and he really hasn't shown much yet. I think it's just the popularity doesn't match up with the actual results just yet. Uh, I believe in him long-term, but I think at this point with so many people wanting to be early on him, I'm going to have to be late. Yep. No, I agree with that completely. That's definitely my line of thinking as well. Uh, I like Brian Harmon, Jonathan Vegas, um, and Aaron Wise in this 8K range um, is where I would be looking at. Brian Harmon is just slowly coming back to, to what Brian Harmon does. And we know this can be a good golf course for him. Um, Jonathan Vegas has had a fourth place finish here in the past and, and plays by the corollary uh, course as well and Aaron Wise um, was actually the person that prevented Matt Jones from going wide to wire last year when he was uh, he opened with a pair of 64s or a pair of 63s so 
um, he can play well here as well. So those three guys would be where I'd be in the 8K range. We're very similar in this range. I um, I agree with you. Harmon's starting to you know, show the Brian Harmon that we're used to. Fairways, yeah. greens, right? And I, li- I like him. Vegas is very popular, but I think I still will play him because I find my, I find my different... Uh, you know, different spots elsewhere. Um, and the Aaron Wise, too. He was great. He's going to be popular, too, but again, fine. Um, Knox is the other guy who's very popular, but he's he's really cheap and at 8,100, I feel like, with for his his course form and his current form is excellent, too. I mean, he was first in my model because he plays the par threes very well. Um, his approach game has been great. He was good last week before uh, poor Sunday, and now he's going to a course where you know, he probably has a better chance to win, especially if it plays really difficult, which I imagine it very well may, a uh, single-digit winner. So in, in, in 8,100, he doesn't have to win. Do I think he can win? Probably not. I just don't see that in him anymore. But, you know, if he finishes, you said, 33rd every time, that wouldn't kill your lineups. And if he finishes 15th, you know, that'd be great. And I can see that happening. Yeah, so I, I was going to make the joke, and you picked me to that he will finish 33rd. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, no, but... But going back to Aaron Wise quickly, it was a pair of 64s last year and he was disappointed over the weekend, but he's kind of built on from that decent showing here last year and kind of shown what he is. He's 3 for 3 for made cuts, so whilst he's going to be popular, uh, I do like the, the play. Uh, Russell Knox is great, right? You know, in terms of when you consider his career, like I think he's probably slightly outperforming expectation in the sense that I think everyone wants him to win more and likes to be on him because his irons are great and his wedge game's great and his putting can be good at times. Um, but <laughs> I, I think it's more just he he's very, very solid and just always there more than I ever expect him to actually contend. Yeah, seeing him contend is it's it's difficult. Like I've bet him before and I you know, after day one like, why did I bet him? He's not capable of winning. <laughs> I don't I don't think he is. He's won that Travelers back. I don't know when, whenever that was, but other than that, it's just like he can't. He's just always a guy who's there. He he can be there, but it doesn't even seem like he really has too much of a desire even to win. He just he's happy being there, um, and you know, finishing in fifth or sixth or seventh usually, like you said, thirty third is more likely. But I just think it's a it's a safe play to where he's not. I don't think he's going to tank anyone's lineups this week. So I think with Russell Knox, he's, he won that WGC event, and I don't know if a lot of stocks always just always been putting that. You know, we're seven years removed from that now, um, and like you say, had that Travelers win the, the following year, two playoff losses, one obviously here in 2014 to uh, Russell Henley, um, and and he's he's won an impressive Irish Open uh, on the European Tour at the time. But again, he beat Ryan Fox in a playoff, who gets in his own way himself at times. So. I think a lot of what people attribute to Ryan... I always just say it's about Brian Harmon. They always used to attribute that run at the, the 2017 or 2018, whichever one it was, US Open, um, that, that kind of sticks with them for a long time and, and maybe overvalues them. But I do think this is a golf course that if Russell Knox is going to come and win again on the PJ Tour, this or the Sony or you know, pretty much those two is, is where he's going to do it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Christian Bezweden, how I know you've uh, been interested in playing him in the past. I know that Generally, everyone gets quite excited about Christian Bezuiden at the moment, but he's just not back in the hype. I don't think. I, I agree. I I was thinking about playing him. The, I actually never have ended up really pl- pulling the trigger. I've always thought about it, then decided against it, and yeah. it usually en- ends up working out. And I think I'm going to do the same thing this week. I, I his name jumped out at first, and then I thought about it, looked at his his recent results, and yeah, it, it just hasn't really matched up. And 
I'm, I'm going to be out on him. So the, the the counter to that is he was 17th at the Sony Open, which is basically the best correlation to this event. And obviously that was this season. It's just, it's just one of those ones where I can't actually see him winning. And that sounds bizarre considering how he's done uh, in big fields. And uh, It's just one of those ones that I think everyone's so desperate for him to succeed that they'll kind of talk themselves into it. And, and I don't necessarily see it being the case. I'm with you. I'm uh, I'm out on Sebas. 7K range now. Um, I love Ryan Palmer. I don't think that's going to be too uh, unique. I think he'd be pretty popular here considering the course history. Um, ninth of tw- nine out of twelve cuts he's made. He's finished inside the top 26 six times in total. Um, you know he's he's won the Sony. He's lost in the playoff here. Uh, when he was 37th in 2017, he led after 36 holes and was 5th after 54. So, generally speaking, like Ryan Palmer, we know where he's going to play well. He's already finished 12th at Sony and 16th at Tory uh, already this season, which or this year, should I say. Um, so, to me, you know what Ryan Palmer's going to do and where he's going to play well. It's just how much you want to swallow the ownership. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to be all that high. I think 9-10%, which isn't, isn't terrible. Um, I see all those reasons they make sense to me uh, I don't know Ryan Palmer and water scare me when you combine <laughs> the two Ryan Palmer uh, just scares me in general right it's his it is but it, it's just the fact that the last three T screen performances before he missed cuts were 15th 11th and 7th so generally speaking like the game is there and if the game's there and he's coming back to a golf course uh, that he loves he's obviously won uh, in this part of the world way back when when there was a Disney event um, so, you know, he likes Florida. He's got that playoff loss to Russell Henley, which I don't know if you attribute that to a success or not. But, um, yeah, there's just so much. I, th- I think he's he gets a bad rap because he hasn't won outside of winning with John Rahm uh, since 2010. But he's lost in the playoff at the Honda, uh, which featured Russell Knox, Russell Henley and Rory. Uh, he's lost in the Farmers Insurance Open playoff in 2018, which featured Jason Day and Alex Norum, which Day won. So it's not like he hasn't been there, and, he, and he's generally been pretty steady for the last couple of years. Yeah, you, you might be talking me into him because I'm, I need somebody kind of in this range, and I think he makes sense. Uh, so, yeah, I like it. I was thinking about playing Westy at 7,800. Um, he's looking like he's going to be pretty much unowned as far as, you know, less than anyone else in this, in this area because he is somewhat expensive. And, you know, he was... Correct me if I'm wrong, because you know more than I do about this, but he was in contention a couple weeks ago before Bad Sunday, isn't that right? Yes, he was, yes. So he was, uh, I think he was 11th after the second round and 10th after the third round. And uh, he had a very, very good chance of winning and then just shit the bed to my absolute <laughs> disgust because he was 100 to 1. Um, and I really, really liked him. Like He he'd played well. Um, the week before he'd play well at uh, Abu Dhabi in terms of tees green and then yeah just for the first three rounds of the Dubai the Desert Classic 15th faster round 1 10th faster round 2 11th faster round 3 like had a really really live chance and then just water um, ju- yeah just terrible and then he comes back and finishes 21st at the Saudi finishes uh, bit of a 66 there people just don't want to play him because they don't like him at the moment but that is as simple as it is. Like he's a hundred to one again on our on our exchanges over here. I've bet that because his performances here in the past have been very good. Uh, when you think of who could win this golf tournament, I, I think of Lee Westwood, two fourth place finishes, two ninth place finishes. Um, there was a big gap in between his twenty fifth 
um, back in 2015, I think it was, and his fourth in 2019 um, or 2020. But that is purely because of off-field uh, or off-course issues. There was um, he, he left his partner who actually lived in Florida and kept the house and didn't want to come back, basically. So, um, yeah, I really like Lee Westwood. In the, that was a long way of saying, yes, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I love all that. Um, I thought you might have a bad taste in your mouth from that from that event, and it seems like you do. But I, <laughs> I, it, the fact that he's unknown, I wish I had 100 to 1 here. I'm seeing like 55, 60. Yeah. Um, and, I, yeah, I think he could win. And remember last year he came into that Florida swing and he was hot. Yeah, and the thing is as well is that that so he's showing us thirty fourth tee to green last time uh, at the Dubai Desert Classic, but he lost that all in like a couple of holes, like the water balls and stuff like that. So um, generally speaking, his his tee to green game is in absolute impeccable shape, really for you know what you'd expect from Lee Westwood and and you know where he, where he's played well in the past, like you say, he contended at Bay Hill, um, played well at the Players as well. You know he's he likes his part of the world and seventy eight hundred I thought was pretty good. Yeah, me too. So I'd rather play him at you know three percent rather than all these other guys who are going to be a lot higher, like CT Pan, for example. Yeah, so CT Pan, great betting prospect for me this week. I, I really do like him, and there's a lot of spiel as to why I like him, and you can go and find out the odds checker article. But in terms of fantasy, because of the volatility of the course, any time a player gets really highly owned and really heavily backed and bet, I can just go away from him because it's just that type of event. It's a little bit like Riviera in that respect that. I probably should have done the same with Bubba, and I probably should have done the same with DJ and, and, and you know Peters. Like it, it, there was just too much volatility on really tough golf courses, and this, with the amount of water, with the amount of bunkers, is the perfect case for that. Um, Taylor Moore, Matt, was there any thoughts there at all? Yeah, I mean stat-wise, it looks like he's jumping off the page for a lot of people, yeah. including including me. And I, uh, he isn't being, you know, again very early, but it's. You know, not many people are favoring favoriting him this week, and um, looking at like five percent right now, which I think there's just a lot of good options around him that are very popular, like Knox or Cbez or Ct Pan, or uh, Kh Lee. Or, you know, so a lot of guys around him are pretty popular. So I think that might be driving some ownership off of him. And I don't know. I, I it seems very volatile to me, just because he's one of those guys who is pretty relatively unknown coming into it and then you know everyone kind of jumps on board in the betting market and stuff it's just one of those plays that seems to backfire more often than not i would still rather just play westy yeah no i agree with that and i would definitely agree on the the lee westwood take um grayson sig lucas glover michael thompson and strangely camillo vajegas were people that stood out for me uh in this kind of seven three seven four range uh I just I just tweeted about Camillo a couple uh, like an hour ago. Oh, good. So let me catch um, up with that, and you you tell us what that said. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I like Camillo, and I just I just wrote him up actually because so you know for him I'm betting him to win at uh, 150 to one, and yeah. I just think you know this guy he was irrelevant for a very long time, right? He had a very bad tragedy. All, all these things happened in his life. He at one point was the number seven ranked golfer in the world. And when he was very good, you know, he won this event in 2010. And then last season, it seemed like finally his life was starting to, you know, the pieces were starting to come back together and it was awesome to see. And then he came to this Florida swing and that's when he really got hot, right? He finished eighth here last year. And then 
you know, the month later he finished 11th at the Valspar, right? Two difficult Florida Bermuda grass courses, gained over four on a, approach on both of those, gained over four on in putting in both of those, and he's a very bad putter. So I just think he likes playing in Florida, right? He's a Colombian. I think he likes the heat. Um, and I think he has a lot of positive vibes from early in his career at this course. And I think if there's somewhere he might pop again, we could see him kind of – and he hasn't been playing that poorly. He's made – two or three cuts in a row and he's playing all right at these courses you wouldn't expect him to play well at so i expect him to be pretty good this week yeah and like when you you say he's been playing pretty well is it's three straight cuts um pebble beach was a mixed bag but tied 49th tory he shot a 76 on the final day to kind of slip down and, and never really had that low round at north course like others had but 33rd at the amex uh 34 at bermuda where he opened with a 77 shot a second round 65 Shriners 35th and like you say he just had a, an awful lot to deal with like a horrendous tragedy in his life and and is trying to get his career back you know he was already struggling with his golf game before that happened um and then, you know you have something like that it's, you know how he it's actually amazing how he's come back to the level that he's actually come back to now and i think that like you say eighth here last year he had a second round 65 he's got the win here the second uh on debut i think the first year they actually ever played here um, and then just a bunch of kind of top 24 finishes. So um, I, I think there's definitely some upside to coming over Jagas. Um, yeah, but relatively unowned, so. Yeah, I like it. I think he's good. And probably he's one of those people that you could look at first-round leader candidates as well. Um, Grayson Sig is just a guy that plays these kind of events well, I think. Um, we still don't know necessarily that that's the case, but... He was 42nd at the Sony, but he actually played a lot better than that. Like 67, 66, 68 was decent. It's just it was just a really low scoring week. Amex 25th, um, Pebble Lee was in the top 10. They had a really poor final round, uh, and Farmers he was fine. So he's, he just makes cuts like four straight cuts. Um, you know he played well in the Bermuda earlier in the season as well. I, I just think it's a big golf course for SEC. Yeah, SEC guy, right? Um, used to be kind of playing the uh in this area i i do like him i'll, I'll have some exposure to him um i don't think he's gonna be as popular as i thought he was gonna be uh I, I think you know i've seen some people betting him to win which um you know was a bigger ask and um yeah. but i think 7400 is a nice price for him i yeah I'll, I'll i'll play a little bit of sig naturally on this show we talk a lot about peak performance and having a whole package when it comes to winning golf tournaments but you know who else focus on these two areas as well Manscaped. Manscaped took their Lawnmower 4.0 product and put it together with all the necessary components to make the Performance Package 4.0. Including this package is the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, which takes care of nose and ear hair, the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, which are essential for your balls, and two free gifts, including a premium wash bag and a pair of anti-chafing boxes. Now this set is normally $218, but is $130 for a limited time only, and with our 20% code LFW20, that will now be brought down even further to $104. In the UK, this will be £96 instead of £120, and again, the Performance Package 4.0 helps you and these elite golfers, if they so wish, stay in peak shape below the waist. That is code LFW20 for 20% off site-wide and free worldwide shipping on manscaped.com. And this is where I would get on board with Glover, who I, I guess is probably a little bit more popular than I want him to be. But Lucas Glover has always been ball striking elite or near elite. And 
awful with the putter and I think when you are coming to an event where it's really really tough to make birdies as it is the winning score is going to hover around double digits may not even get there at times as the wind gets up like that's a perfect storm for someone like Lucas Glover who's got two top four finishes here in the past yeah he he's great at this course and one of the best um plays Sony really really well too obviously like you, you mentioned it's a really big crossover yeah uh fair, fairways greens two putt and he can finish six, seven, eight, nine under. It's just, it's a really nice spot for him, and might be a little bit popular, but um, you know, no more popular than Aaron Rye or Michael Thompson or Chris Kirk is. So I'd rather play play Glover than I'd probably rather play him than most of these guys. And those three guys, like I said, I, I liked those. I sort of rattled those names off as well, and and, and like them. But like you said, I just don't need to get that. Like I think Aaron Rye and Bezuin, how you can kind of couple together in terms of people wanting them to succeed, and I think that. They, we may have seen the best of their performances already on the PJ Tour. Like they may struggle after this, and you know, once it really gets going onto the different courses that may not suit. Um, I love Hudson Swafford at seventy one hundred. Um, he's one of those hidden uh, course form guys that I like to talk about. Um, there's not many three time winners in this field. You know, there's no top ten players in the world in this field. He's got a third and a ninth at the Sony Open. Um, there's been a lot of crossover between this course and Glen Abbey. Uh, they used to host the Canadian Open. He was 11th there. Two-time winner of the career builder of the American Express. There's a Nicholas course in the rotation there. Um, won the Corrales, which is a, a Tom Fazio. Second at Palmetto, Tom Fazio. Tenth at the Bridgestone um, to Firestone there is a Tom Fazio as well. And when you just look at, when I say hidden course form, it's like what I've said about Horschel and Neiman in podcast called Past. On debut in 2014, he was 11th after day one. He was 24th still after 54 holes and had a bad final day. Comes back two years later and he's 5th after 36 holes. Uh, he shot a second round 65, but just had a terrible weekend, 276s to 465th. And then two years further on again, he opened with a 73, but still managed to get himself up to 11th after 54 and just had a poor final round before finishing 21st uh, two starts ago. So one of those guys that just has the experience of playing good golf here, knows how to shoot a decent number, stay in contention, but is liable to blow up. I guess those those water that comes into play, those heavily bunkered areas that come into play, and I do need him to avoid those. But I think that there is a, a lot of upside for someone at 7,100 in, in Hudson-Swafford. Yeah, I don't understand the price. Well, he's just... like if, if Without all that spill that I've just given... He's a three-time winner who's won this season and is playing on a course that he can play well at. It's the same price as Matthias Schwab and Chad Ramey and Sink, who hasn't done anything this year. Yeah, it's crazy It's uh, how well he's playing. I'm with you, I think. I feel like there's, there's, uh, there's a catch. I don't know what the catch is. Uh, yeah, it's, but... it's, it's probably the water. Uh, you'll probably, you're probably go in there all week long. But I did like Sink. You mentioned Sink there. I thought he was someone that picked, sort of picked up to me that there was some decent course on. But again, like I mentioned the other day, Dylan Fratelli uh, could play well. He was another guy that I kind of targeted for, for Genesis. Um, but I think there's going to be... Adam Svensson's probably going to be popular at 7K. Um, you know, I think Danny Willett might get a little bit of love at 7K as well, despite the fact he's you know out of sorts. So I think that could be a wise move to go to Hudson Swafford at 7100. Yeah, I like it. Sink for me, I'm out. He's lost strokes in pretty much every category and every start this year. And I just think maybe, you know, last year's catching up with him. He's due for a down year, so I think that might continue. Um, Brennan Steele is a guy I looked at. Yeah. Um, 
and I, I bet him at 140 to one. Now I don't know if that translates exactly to wanting to play him in DFS, but the course history is just so good. Um, you know, fourth in 2020, third in 2021, and you know he's not in good form right now. He's in very bad form, but, but um, you know he's missed four of his last six cuts. He's losing strokes on approach, which is usually you know what he's best at. So it's definitely very concerning. Um, but his starts leading into the event when he played well here in the last couple of years were similar. 2020, he had lead in form of 43, miscut, miscut. Then he came in fourth. 2021, lead in form of 43, 18, 41, which is a little bit better. And he finished in third. But three of his last four starts prior to that third, he lost more than three strokes on approach. So he's played well here in the past. But it's not like he's ever been hot when he coming into here when he plays well. He he seemed to play well despite that. Um, and... You know, both of his PGA Tour wins at Silverado, he's finished 44th and 64th leading into those. So he's never really shown it coming. We talk about guys who, who you see it coming and, and you don't really see it coming with him. And I think sometimes when you switch from like the West Coast swing to Florida, you know, you kind of have to have a little reset in in terms of if they're in good form or not. I think you could see him coming into Florida and starting to regain that the bread and steel that we're used to. He's just so obvious where he's going to play well, right? And you've just alluded to it there. Two wins at the Safeway. Uh, the other win coming at the Texas Open. But so uh, Sony Open, he should have won probably both times when he finished second and fourth. Uh, Phoenix, he's got third, fifth, sixth, and sixth place finishes. Um, here, like you say, fourth and third. Travelers, sixth and fifth. Um, you know, the, the, you just look at his 20 best finishes in OWGR. That's just where I'm reading those from. Like they're just repeat performance after repeat performance. After, but you know, he just has three or four events a year that he knows he can probably win at, and probably targets them. Just builds his whole schedule around those events, and there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, is it volatile? Yes, because it's Brendan Steele. Um, is it something? Uh, he's probably a better bet than he is. A DraftKings play, which is you sort of what you said at the start. Like, you know, he's 140 to one, and if if he misses a cut, he misses a cut. Like, it just happens. But um, yeah, I think he's fine. I mean, I, I guess the ownership is not too high, even though the course history is good. No, it's not high. And I, I got to ask this question: Why the hell isn't Keegan Bradley here? He need his agent needs mm. to be fired. <laughs> he he would have won this week. I, I he's not even playing. I think he still might win. <laughs> we 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 say this on our podcast all the time that. If we could pick these players' schedules for them, they'd probably have more success um, because the amount of time that we pour into the courses that correlate, the, the course form, the, the stats that, you know, we could probably pick them for them. And yeah, you're right, King and Bradley would have absolutely loved it. Um, any more in the 7K that you wanted to touch on? There's one guy, and um, I'm, a, I'm crazy crazy for thinking about it, but I, I DM'd you about this yesterday. Marty Keimer, I don't know. I think it's more I want him to be good so badly that I'm trying to force it to happen. I'm trying to will it into existence. And he's virtually going to be completely unowned because he's overpriced. I don't know why he's 7,300. I don't know why he's 90 or 100 to one in the betting market. It makes no sense to me. But I guess all I can say is I'd really love to see it and love to be a part of it. Is there any chance of it? I guess I'd like you to talk me out of it. Uh, he won't win. Um, he okay, doesn't He doesn't win DP World Tour events anymore. And... That's a concern. Um, would he play well? He's had a fourth place finish here in the past. Like, what was that? Kind of five years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. But the, but the other performances have been, 
you know, pretty poor, like 51st, 44th, 67th, and then he's had miscuts with draws. So it's hard to tell, right? I think I think it's one of those ones where, like, if Martin Keimer plays well, at the end of it, everyone goes, why was I not on Martin Keimer at, you know, triple digits and, you know, um, 7,300 because he's a player's winner, he's a major winner, he's a former world number one, like, he's still not that old. Like, I think that... That's the trouble with Martin Keimer is that people think that it's going to happen for him and, and maybe the, the the game hasn't passed him by. That's, that's really unfair because I still think he can come back and, and play really well. I think maybe even a year or so ago I was sort of saying that the, the best could still be, you know, not in front of him, but, you know, he's 37. It's, it's not like his career's over. Yes. It's just that there is there's so much good talent elsewhere that when you're, you know, it's been eight years now since he won the US Open um, which seems ridiculous to me because I remember it quite vividly and and before that his last win on the, uh, the, the European Tour was 2011 so he's actually won the Players Championship and the US Open since his last win on the on the European Tour so it's just one of those guys that's kind of been caught between two tours and, and battling with really heightened status I think yeah, yeah and I remember last year leading up to the Open he was got really hot right he was kind of contending at the yeah i want to say it was a scottish he was kind of in the mix and then and then we kind of thought maybe he's back so yeah i guess it's just part of again like the um nostalgia for me like you talked like i remember those events and i, I loved seeing him play well and i was kind of just hoping it might be and this is a place where it could happen because he has the course history and you know look at the skill set he's a long iron player and the type of guy you'd like to see here but i might throw him in a lineup see what happens yeah, I mean, it was, the, it was the BMW International Open that he played well before the Open, which was back home. He shot a final round 64 to finish two behind Victor Hovland, which is obviously no um, you know, no bad feat, really. He was 41st at the Irish Open. Uh, but he'd, he'd finished 26th at the US Open before that. And when you look at his final results of 2021, it was 25th at Wentworth, 45th at Dunhill Link, 60th at Valderrama, 34th. York, the 13th to buy and 32nd in the DP World Tour. It's been average, and that is just what Martin Keimer is at the moment. But it's been so long since he played now. Like that's that's the that's the the weirdest thing is that we, we're going back to kind of October November time since he's even played you know a, a proper tournament. So has he had a real reset? We, I find it. Like what, what I find really frustrating is that we don't know the answer to that question and then he'll come and have an interview after Saturday when he's tied for the lead or in the top five and he'll go, yeah, I've, I've been working really well with my coach or you know, I've found something in my game over the last few months and just wanted to take it off the golf course. You'll hear about that when it's too late and maybe you just need to take a gamble. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to play him in one lineup and if he sucks, I'm not going to tell anybody I did it and if he's great, I'm going to tell everyone I'm going to do it. <laughs> going to speak it into the world. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um, put it this way, it's, it's worrying that, that even people like Henry Stenson are 7K at the moment. It's, it's, there's a lot of name value in these guys here. Um, yep. 6K range then. Um, I think, will Bo Hostler be popular here? He's, he's been up on the radar recently. Um, has shown some life. No, he won't. No, okay. That's that's interesting because I just I just attribute Bo Hostler to someone that people want to do well because he had that kind of run at the US Open very early on in his career. Uh, came out here and had some success, and I thought he would uh, he would garner some ownership. But he's made his last two cuts at the thirtieth and sixtieth hit. You know what? He he's kind of soft to me. Like 
he's not a guy you want in a win like a, a really difficult conditions. He's not going to grind for you. I feel like I feel like um, you know when it was a little bit easier a couple weeks ago when he was in the in the mix, he was kind of hanging around and he was he was making these long putts to stay far, which I guess is what he does a little bit. But I don't know when the going gets tough. Bo Hoss is not a guy I want on my side. So it's weird because at the start of his career, I'd have said the opposite. Like I'd have said he was a bit of a grinder, and when he finished second, it was to Ian Poulter, who was very much in that you know, line of form. So I, I, I never really know what Bo Hostler is. I kind of attribute him to one of those guys that, that makes a lot of parts that he probably shouldn't, and you don't want to rely on that. But, you know, even, you know, he, he missed the cut at the, the Phoenix after finishing third at Pebble, but he was playing okay until final round 75 last week as well. So I, I just wonder if he can go well and, um, you know, just keep that going. But the other guy that I thought was playing really sneaky golf without really getting sort of taken seriously is JJ Spawn. Like, he's been pretty solid all season. Um, the peak performance was obviously the, the Bermuda, where he was 7th, but he was 16th at the RSM and Pebble Beach, 25th at the Amex, 34th at the Farmers. He missed the cut at Sony, which is a little bit disappointing when you're looking for sort of crossovers for this event. But he didn't play badly by any means. He shot a pair of 69s and just missed the cut because of the scoring. Um, I thought it was quite interesting. Yeah, it- very compelling case. Uh, he he tends to spike here and there. The thing with me, you know, some you get down to this range, and there's just some guys like for me. I never, I've never played JJ Spawn. I've never played him once, and I'm not going to start now. But <laughs> but he does make a lot of sense. And these like you got to pick your lane on these some of these 6K guys. There's some guys you tend to go to more often, and some guys you you don't really want to go to. So I, he makes a lot of sense. But for me, I'm just going to go to some different guys. Um, I like Matthew Neesmith a bit. He pops. You know, he he does a lot of things well that you'd think. He can do well here. He's a good Bermuda putter. Um, and who else was I? And I was looking at Harry Higgs too. I mean, he's a good course history. He's he's hasn't been playing very well lately, but it doesn't seem like he, you know, he's never going to wow you with any stats. No, no. I think I think that's the thing is there's, there's a lot of guys down here that are going to be in that same mold. Um, I think the guys that that I sort of caught my attention are going to be the guys that are popular. Austin Smotherman, I think, is going to. Garner some ownership. I think he'll be popular. He's a name that seems quite fancy at the moment. Podrick Harrington is a two-time winner. He's uh, 6,700. He actually played some decent golf on the DP World Tour earlier on in the season. Uh, doesn't seem to be able to translate that onto uh, the Champions Tour. He hasn't played very well over there. And then another guy that I really wanted to be in the event. I was I sort of thinking about this on the Boating Podcast. I really wanted Satoshi Kodaira to get into the event. Uh, and then when I came to look into it a bit more, I don't really know why I missed the cut last week on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, I, I have no idea why I liked Kadira, but he's another name that I kind of looked at. So, so now you wish he didn't get in the event. Now you have something yeah. else to think about. Yeah, now I've got to ponder him and figure out why it is I do like him. <laughs> I love I love Kadira. I, I was at the Travelers last year and I followed him around a lot and was uh, you know watching it with him and he had a big entourage of um his family there and he was he was kind of fun time giving thumbs up and all that stuff but yeah i I like satoshi he's great um makes some sense what do you think about luke donald speaking speaking of guys who aren't really aren't that old but you might think they're 60 years old based on you know how it's been going (laughs) so luke donald i had two lines of thought with luke donald is that so he was basically the front runner for the Ryder cup captaincy and i thought this was a really bad time for him because he just started to show some life towards the end of last season the start of this one uh has been striking the ball pretty well uh with his irons he's obviously played well here in the past so there's a lot to like about uh, Luke Donald it's just 
And you don't, you, what do you need from him? To, what's, a, what's a good week from Luke Donald at 6,400? It's probably top 30. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, even if he makes a cut and finishes in the top 40, but makes a couple of birdies and just drops off with a double or something at the end, it, it really doesn't matter too much in terms of the scoring. I think we, when you look, he's, what is his best finish of the season? It was 27th, and that was at the Sony. That's, that's a good sign, right? Yeah, and his course history is obviously very, very good. This is, I mean, this is his spot. Yeah, yeah, and he just fits that bill of... Like, I think of Florida as like this kind of European haven. Like we all just come over there for a bit of sun. We don't want to deal with you know Texas and Phoenix and you know California's too expensive or the the, the tax rate or whatever. It doesn't suit them. Like they all just love coming over. To, yeah, a quick flight in and out. Um, you know, jet lag's not too bad. So um, yeah, he's been brilliant, right? He was 11th here two years ago. He's got four top 10 finishes before that. Um, the, the trouble is a lot of that came when Luke Donald was world number one or, or around the area um, but yeah he's, he's, he's shown some things with his iron so I, I don't mind the call at all I do think he might be a little bit popular just because of the people that have put him up Ben Coley put him on his betting articles so that might help uh, his ownership a little bit but um, what did you make of Hayden Buckley as a potential bounce back spot for him um, he's another guy for me that seems like it's like people want him to be better than he actually is right now the, um, the only reason i say is because he was 12th at the sony where he, he had four rounds of 67 or better finish with a 65 pebble beach he had that 64 in the second round and i know there's been some disappointing miscuts since but to your point like people just wanted him to be really really good because he had that kind of fourth and eighth place finish really early and played really well on the, on the corn ferry um but I just, I just think he's i think now that i expect people to be off him a little bit this could be the time to get on. He, he withdrew before the Genesis. I don't know what that was. It's his undisclosed reason, but uh, I don't know if you had any insight on that at all. No, I, I don't know. Um, I'm probably not going to do it. I, I've i been off of him, and I thought he's kind of been over overvalued. Not that he's highly valued, but just that people talk about him more than, you know, he's, you know, he's almost like the American Aaron Rye this year, it seems yeah. like, starting from the swing season. And it's just like, I'd rather play some of these other guys in, um, yeah, I, he makes a lot of sense, but I think I'd rather just go elsewhere. Here's another one I don't. I could see him getting in trouble in the water and bunkers and things like that. But just I just like that kind of Sony Open crossover and just think that maybe it's a good time to buy him after he's kind of burnt a couple of people. Um, the other name down here that I've seen floated around quite a bit is Sung Kang this week. Um, he was tenth at the Honda Classic here in 2016. Um, you know he's played top golf course as well. He, he's won the Byron Nelson, second at the Riviera, um, second at the Houston Open, seventh at the PGA, like sixth at Bay Hill, ninth at Bay Hill. Likes his part of the world, and, and maybe he's just playing some better golf recently. Yeah, talk about volatile, right? I mean, <laughs> he, he's very, very volatile. He's... He he might come in second or he might come in last. I don't think he's going to win, but um, he gained four point seven on approach at Phoenix. Yeah. five strokes tee to green. I mean, that's the best iron performance he has had since uh, barely February of 2020. So two years, uh, more than two years. And that was at the Genesis in 2020. So, yeah, I mean, he, he, he putts well on Bermuda, more so than other surfaces. So he does like this part of the world. And, yeah, it makes some sense. He doesn't really look like he's garnering much ownership at all i'm still i'm seeing under one percent so far 
My favourite thing with Sun Kang is every time I type his name into Google, it comes up with the uh, the actor from Fast and Furious instead. Um, so that's <laughs> always good fun. Um, I never get him the first time I look for him in Google. And then Brandon Hagee. I don't know if people are going to be able to overlook the, the horrendous current form uh, for the two 21st place finishes in the second here in four starts. Many people are overlooking the horrendous current form, and I'm not yeah. going to. No, it's scary, um, isn't it? it it's weird. You look at these 66 and under guy, and you look at ownership percentage, it's going to end up being like everyone is 1% besides a handful of guys. Buckley's going to be 3 or 4. Hagee's going to be 4. Donald's going to be 4, which goes against me wanting to play him. Duffner is going to be highly owned at 6,200. Uh, well, talk, I, I about, talk about people trying to speak things into existence. Jason Duffner <laughs> seems to get so much traction, and he had like one top 20 in what are we talking about three years maybe it's frightening how much people want to play Jason Duffner yeah John Deere last year and I think that's it I can't I can't remember outside of John Deere when the last time he finished in the top 20 no it's been years it's been years um so that's that's kind of where I'm at down here I forgot to ask you about one guy who I wanted your opinion on uh, Ricky Ricky Fowler 7600 I don't know. He is one I want it to happen for. Like He's actually, by all accounts, hitting the ball okay. It's just the putting is so terrible, and that is concerning for Ricky Fowler because that's how he's used to make his money. And maybe it's just this week that that the ball striking comes to the fore and he he can afford to miss a few putts because everyone's going to be doing it and the the scoring is not going to get away from him. Yeah, I, I was thinking with him, it's like if there's any place in the world he might figure out, it might be this, right? Cause yeah. He's very, very good here, and you know he has the first and the second back-to-back years fairly recently, and he doesn't have to do all that much. I think he's, you know, he it's a shorter course. He doesn't have to worry about trying to keep up with these all these longer guys. He's been putting it very poorly, but I think maybe going back to a Bermuda spot and a place where he's put well in the past might give him some good vibes and. I, it wouldn't shock me to see him like as first round leader or something this week. So that's what I, that was the exact logic I tried to play at the Amex in the sense that he was on a decent course to start with. He'd played well there before. He, he's got plenty of room to kind of be bad off the tee if he needs to be. And then it was just it was just horrendous uh, with the flat stick. And <laughs> it's it's weird, right? It's just like I think people are getting burnt by him so often now that actually you can sort of get a little bit of leverage on him but when, when you look back it's like you go back to the PJ Championship 8th 11th at Memorial 3rd at the CJ Cup like <laughs> we, we talk about Ricky Fowler and it being a disaster because it is to Ricky Fowler and it is to the level of player but anyone else that's kind of had those 8th, 11th, 3rd place finishes in, in that span I know it's going back a long time uh, you know realistically back to the summer of last year but for someone in this price range of his ability of his previous course form not take if you if you put a bit of tape over his name and said do i want to play that guy i think you probably would yeah i i might take a shot on him um I, yeah, maybe i'm throw... scared for your lineups yeah put him in with the same <laughs> one of, of, of martin Keimer and just that's what know, i was gonna say have a day because it, you know <laughs> you've got guys that you've got a major champion you've got two players champions and a guy that probably should have won a major as well. Um, 
hell, just put it, just put him in with Luke Donald and Lee Westwood and just have yourself a party. Um, you know, it, it could be really interesting. I, this is this event, right, where it's so hard because nothing would surprise me. That that that's the mm-hmm. like it wouldn't surprise me if if Martin Keimer contended. Like I, I say, he won't win, but that's just me having to take an opinion. I don't think Ricky Fowler is going to win, but both of them are very very capable of doing so. Then the thing is, if they if those two get into contention, who are they scared of? Like, there's not a top ten player in the field, and I know that right. you've got Brooks, and maybe if he was there, he'd he'd be a bit intimidating and. Ustazen's there, but you know Ustazen's going to probably get in his own way a little bit. Sung Im is probably quite reliable in contention. Daniel Berger, if he was fit, but otherwise, I think they're just going to look around and go, "I've got this. This is this is my level." Yeah, I completely with you on that. To to a you know to an extent, that's the reason why I like Brooks a lot too, because like he's the fifth, sixth, seventh price golfer in this field in terms of bet. Uh, when I saw betting odds earlier, and it's like if he's if he's Brooks this week. Nobody here can beat him. Yeah. And, and that's why I like him in the betting market, too. It's just like the, the field doesn't scare anybody. It's all these. It's a lot of good, the kind of up-and-coming type players. and But guys that are way higher priced than we usually ever see them. So that's kind of why I'm just going like, all right, I'm just going to play this guy who has had past success and has the resume. And if he has a ceiling week, like you said, he's not afraid of these guys. And if there's any week to embrace volatility on tour, it's this one. So that's what I'm going to do. Hopefully nobody follows me into that you guys just keep following tom he's great and i'll just <laughs> do crazy crazy shit to, to, to cap it off right <laughs> is uh <laughs> that would have been a good place to cap it off actually but to i saw a lot of debate today and, and i think a lot of it was tongue-in-cheek um who's the best player in this field best player in this field brooks it's got to be right like in terms of talent and upside i mean i know it happens more in major championships for him but you know, Louis was getting a lot of shouts. Sung Jae-in was, was someone that's debated. I mean, like, I think the fact that no one's going, there's not a John Rahm, there's not a Justin Thomas. Like, I think that opens up so much that it makes it so much more difficult. There's one elite player in the field that's Brooks Kepka. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I would probably put Neiman into that category. Oh, but... yeah, I, I'm not going to. Yeah, I can't go against Neiman, but he's he's. I don't know if he's elite yet, right? He's definitely has the potential to be, and is on the borderline here. But let's see him contend with a major. And... I guess it's the same with him and Sungjae, right? They both got probably the elite upside. Um, w- without getting there, right? I can see Sungjae winning a major. I can see Neiman winning a major. Who stays? And we know what he's about. He, he he's elite when it comes to major championships. He's not regular events, so um, he's Brooks Kepka like because Brooks wins more of them. Um, mm-hmm. But let's put a bow on it. That this this. Do our favourite plays. So Brooks kept a few at the ten K and above. Yes. So I would probably try and get some G in somehow. I, th- I think I would play him, but the ownership does scare me. Nine um, K range. I'm going uh, Tommy. I'm gonna I'm gonna eat the chalk and, and go Keith Mitchell. But um, yeah, if, if there was a, 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 an ownership swing on, on Matt Jones, I would probably take him there as well. Um, the eight K range. Um, I think I think this is going to be the decider because I think there's a lot of names in here that are going to garner some ownership that are going to kill lineups and and you can be the guy that can be different here. Yeah, um, I'm going to go with 
Aaron Wise. I'll take Johnny Vegas. I'll I'll do that. Um, Aaron Wise is probably my backup. Seven K range. Are we both in on Lee Westwood? Yes, definitely. I'm glad you're on him. That makes me a lot feel a lot better about it. Yeah, it's, it's either Lee Westwood or Ryan Palmer for me, but but Lee Westwood seems to make more sense on the ownership front. And then in the six K range, then six K. I'm gonna go with. Um, jeez. This is so be... tough this week. <laughs> I'm gonna go Harry Higgs. Just got a gut feeling. Where am I gonna go in the six K range? I, I don't even know. Um, Sun Kang. Sun Kang is interesting. I, I'm gonna go with JoJ Spawn. I think he can. I think he can surprise a few people. Um, so yeah, let's put a bow on it there, uh, Matt. Great stuff as ever. Hopefully we can follow up last week. I think I think trouble was last week. It felt like a lot more in front of us, and we were quite keen. They had strong opinions. I think this week is one of those like we're like you said really nicely earlier. We're embracing the volatility, and and anything can happen. And I think you you've got to get weird to uh, to win this week. I'll leave it with this. Last week we had all the ranges like we just did. We had two spots where both of us had the same guy. It was in the seven Ks was Neiman and the six Ks was Young. So this week yeah. there's one one spot we both have the same guy. That's Lee Westwood at seven thousand eight hundred. So you got to play him. Lee Westwood's your guy this week. Let's uh, let's cap it off there. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm.